Yeah. All right. How about a how about a sermon? You ready for a sermon? Um. Yeah. So this is the sermon you weren't supposed to hear, right? Satan made this sermon go away last week, or something. Thank you, by the way, for doing church without me. Anyways, like scum did church. Scum did church. It's not the staff that does church. We do church. And you guys did that last week very well, so thank you very much. I love that. It was very... Everybody was asking, like, oh, my gosh, can you not preach? Oh, what's going to happen? It's like, well, then my community is going to step up and take care of it. We'll be fine. And you did. Proud of you guys. Um, so, yeah, last Saturday, I... I uh, picked out a pedestrian and I ran him down <laughs> on my motorcycle. <laughs> uh, no, he, he actually jumped out in front of me. Um, but, um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It was, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. But I, I blacked out. I blacked out. I was, I was, I was unconscious for like 30 minutes. And uh, <laughs> I, evidently I, I blacked out face down. And so... All that blood coming out of my nose, like, pooled on the inside of my face shield. <laughs> so my, my helmet was full of blood. It looked so not, It looked awesome. It looked really cool. Um, but, yeah, I woke up in the ambulance, and um, <laughs> the only thing I was wearing was my helmet. <laughs> so, so weird. In the first 30 seconds, I was like, oh, wow, I love this dream. <laughs> but <laughs> 30 seconds into it, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I think I might have been in an accident. <laughs> so, yeah, I got kind of messed up. And, and, and my plans just went all to heck. So, sorry I didn't make it last week. But here I am. So I got a, a whole whole extra week to think about this. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's a pretty good concussion that I got. My wife said I wasn't extremely dumb this last week. Uh, I could have been dumber, she said. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was thinking about this stuff, and especially this morning in worship. I mean, <laughs> Tabitha let us in, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus and uh, give me Jesus, and you can have all of this world, but give me Jesus. <laughs> it's been an existential contemplative week. You know, I mean, I, I did well in this accident. Broken nose, something's messed up in my arm, but that's it. I mean, I'm sore. I went concussion. But like, from like here down, I'm great. I, I hit something going somewhere between 20 and 35 miles an hour. I could have died. I could have died. And I would have been bummed. Because I like living. I like my kids. I like my wife a lot. I like my wife more than any of you. But I like you guys a lot too. My community, you guys are a big deal to me. And I wouldn't have wanted to go. 
But at the same time, when I was worshiping this morning, you can have, ooh, whoops, uh, you can have all the world, but give me Jesus. I was thinking about that. I was like, yeah, I think so. But I've had this week thinking about it. And actually, my sermon is about it, about that same thing. This is a sermon that I really want to change us. I want to change you as individuals, but I want it to change this community. I want things to be different. Um, a lot of the things that I have been doing as a leader in this church have been wrong. And I get to tell you about some of those tonight. But i got to pray first, so if you guys want to pray with me. Um, God, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the day. It was comfy. Thank you for that. Uh, thanks for this week. Thanks that I'm not dead. Um, I do love you. And I'm looking forward to hanging out with you a lot. But let me do that a lot here so I can still be with, be with my family, my church family, and my, my kids and Jess. Let me ride motorbikes still. I pray that you would continue to give me perspective on that comparison of the things that I like and the things that I love. And I pray that you would bring that question to us all tonight, that we would answer answer that question. That would be my prayer, that we could answer the question, who do we love? What do we love? At least work on the answer, because, man, it's not easy. Um, first things first, I hope that you're pleased with this. Do what you will with this sermon. Take out the dumb parts and make the good parts louder. Um, and yeah, if you see to those things, then let this be a good time too. All right. Love you a lot. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so we're in uh, Luke, Luke 14, uh, which is some of my favorite parts of the Bible. The teens of Luke are just cool. Like, what the hell did Jesus just say? Like, three or four times a chapter. Um, it was a couple weeks ago that, uh, that Kathy, Kathy preached. It was on the, the banquet that, uh, that no one would come to. And so the guy throwing the banquet was like, just get anybody in here. Uh, good sermon, so check that out. But that's where we are. I'm just going to start reading, okay? Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, oh, uh, verse 25 for podcast folks, uh, Luke 14, 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Would you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and, not, are, not, <clears throat> and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, when he first sit down and consider, consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, 
He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So, more Jesus crazy talk, right? Woohoo! I love this stuff. So, uh, chapter 6 of Luke, we are called to love our enemies. And now... We hate our families. Sweet. (laughs) All right. Sign me up. This sounds like a good cult. Um, Have you you guys heard that quote about about Jesus, you know, and his claim to be the son of God? He's either a liar or insane or he's telling the truth. He's making the, the, the case for insanity pretty solid right now. Right? Love your enemies. Hate your family. Oh, Jesus. Your marketing sucks. I mean, this is crossing a line, right? I mean, we, you, you beg in your hope. It's like, please tell me we've crossed the threshold of, from, from literal to figurative here. Is Jesus serious? Because, guys, he said some weird stuff in the last year that we've been in Luke and sometimes yeah he was serious and he was being literal so we have to ask the question as soon as we ask the the question I'm actually going to let us off the hook yes he's being figurative (laughs) Uh, this is this is not a suicide cult Uh, if he were serious you know he'd be like you know okay do you hate your life and just have, you know, the pitcher of Kool-Aid and cups ready to go right there. Oh, you hate your life. Here's a cup. Drink it quick. <laughs> that is not what's happening here. Um, it seems obvious, right? But we have to be in the habit of asking, what does he mean? Is he serious? Just as a, an interesting fact check, uh, I actually searched for uh, insane serial killers who had read this, taken it seriously, and killed their families. I didn't find any. Um, So you might presume that even insane serial killers, assuming they've read this, even they knew that Jesus was being figurative here. (laughs) Right? You might find some holes in my reasoning. But even to insane serial killers, it's obvious Jesus is being figurative. this is a fairly fairly common, not uncommon, Jewish idiom that's happening here. Oh, you love this thing so much that in comparison, you hate something else. Like, I love pizza. But in comparison to ice cream, I hate pizza. <laughs> right? Okay? Capiche? I bring all this up. Because, yes, we need to be in the habit of looking for Jesus and figuring out what he says. Because he reveals himself in the Bible all the time. And there's interesting stuff. And you're like, oh, dang. That's cool. But, but sometimes he likes to hide. 
Sometimes he wants to be searched for and found. And that's, and that's why reading your Bible is so fun. You can read it quick, man, and get stuff. You can be less dumb on a quick read of the Bible. But man, if you dig into it and search, oh, you can find some nuggets, man, some good stuff. It's cool. Bonus sermon point. Read your Bibles, guys. Okay? All right. But yeah, hate your mom, hate your kids. Um, this is, yeah, fun thing for Jesus to say, right? <laughs> you love God so much that you hate your family by comparison. And then in verse 27, he goes on, you know, you got, you got to take up your cross. I actually brought this up in a sermon earlier, uh, earlier this year, like February, March. These people didn't know how Jesus was going to die. It can't be overstated how embarrassing and how ugly and awful it was to die on a cross. It hurt, yeah, but it was shameful. It was not cool. You were written off. You were People tried to forget you if that had happened. And so Jesus is like, yeah, you got to take up one of those. You get, you get one of those, and then you can follow me. Mm. So, plain meaning, verses 26 to 27, you got to really, really, really love Jesus to be his disciple. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's find some more plain meaning. Um, there's these uh, count the cost pictures. You got to figure out if you can afford to do the things you want to do. I want a tower, but can you afford a tower? I want to win a war, but can you win this war? Me, I want to build an airplane in my living room. And for a year, I, I saved up, and I got. The throttle knobs? Yeah, getting somewhere. So, after about 400 years, I'm going to have the cockpit done. Right? Okay? You getting the gist here? <laughs> it's kind of... This, this, this whole passage, for me, was, is kind of a bummer. I mean, these two guys, the king with 10,000 guys getting picked on by the 20,000 guy king and then the broke guy making a tower these guys are set up for failure isn't that kind of bleak nice pep talk Jesus I mean can you guys feel the hope can you feel the hope in this chapter because I can't it's like oh, dude this is not a warm, fuzzy attaboy. I can understand, though. Actually, after reading this, I, I love it. I like that Jesus does this. He's putting the cost up front. 
he's making the fine print a lot bigger. So often, like, you know, on, on TV and, like, in, you know, the, the, the high school Christian evangelists, you know, they say, you know, become a Christian. It's so much easier. You totally want to do this. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Dude, when I became a Christian, my life got so much harder. <laughs> right? There's a lot of stuff I like doing that I couldn't do anymore. Mm. It was harder to be a Christian. Dude, I've got these, like, I, it, it does feel like the, the, the little devil on your shoulder and the angel on the other saying, do this. No, don't do that. It was not peaceful. I was killing myself every time I made a freaking decision. Was it worth it? Yeah, it was. My life was, was and is so much better because Jesus is in my life and I follow him. It's worth it. Now, just to get a good understanding of this passage before, before I kind of flesh things out further, there's the end, uh, 34. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. And then a Jewish idiom for listen up. Salt. Okay, saltiness. Salt is a valuable thing. It is valuable. Makes things taste better. Oh, but we should have should have changed it to garlic. <laughs> Garlicness. If garlic loses its garlicness, then it's I don't know. Anyways, yeah. Thanks for putting garlic in the spaghetti sauce. I do like that. Um, it makes food taste better. Yes, and there and back then there was a lot of incendiary uh, applications for salt, uh, burning stuff, disposing stuff, baking stuff. Um, it was a commodity. People got paid to bring the salt. Now, uh, scientifically speaking, salt is sodium chloride. Sodium chloride doesn't get less sodium chloride. Jesus says, How, what, what, if, what if salt gets less salty? That doesn't happen, actually. Jesus, you made salt. <laughs> you think you get this. Anyways. Salt in and of itself doesn't get less salty. What, they, what, what is being meant here is, you know, they'd harvest the salt. They got it mostly from the Dead Sea around there. There's this body of water that is like half salt. It's ridiculous. It's like super salty. Basically, they get it off the shore and, and, and store this stuff. And if it sits too long, it gets mixed in with the dirt that it was around or dust or stuff. It became more filler than salt. And that's how salt becomes less salty. And then it's useless. It sucks to put on your corn on the cob. It doesn't burn as well. It's taking up space. It is waste. It is something you don't want around. 
and has made this, the salt that is there, that is tasty and good, worthless. There's stuff that was worth something there, and now it has become nothing. Worse than nothing. Something you've got to get rid of. It's become work. Now, that being said, let's go to the first verse. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, I almost wanted, I wanted to say turning on them. But it doesn't. It says turning to them. Jesus is getting all these people. Tons of people are following him. He's becoming a sensation by this point. Let's go hear Jesus and all the crazy shit he says. It was entertainment. Some people were bored. Some people were going because their buddies were going. But there were some people there that were down. Down for the cause. They were salty. But Jesus goes into this, this whole passage. He's like, guys, I don't think you know what you're signing up for here. So I'm going to spell it out. And then he sums it up at the end. Guys, salt is becoming less salty here. If you're here just for fun, go home. So I'm going to go back to my uh, Matrix illustration. Uh, the Matrix illustration. I think every church has used the Matrix illustration. Um, but there's two realities in the Matrix, right? You know, this is the Matrix and the real world that it honestly seems kind of crappy, but that's where everybody wants to go. But it's the truth, and, you know, so it's good. For us, we have this world that we live in, this this physical world that we move about in, and it's so much more tangible and observable for us. And then there's the kingdom of God. Dear, Jesus loves the kingdom of God. He's the king there, so you can understand why. But do you guys remember my, my definition of the kingdom of God? Okay, good. Well, here's a reminder anyway. Um, no, we're not. No, different one. Okay, yeah. An alternate but coexisting reality where God and his righteousness are king. God talks, or Jesus talks about it all the time. And it's such a mind bender. But talking about it this way, it's, it's an existence that's separate from ours, but close and imminent. And aspects of it we can bring to this existence. It's a major, there's major differences. This world that we live in is real. The matrix was definitively fake. But this world that we live in, this is something. And it's, and it's not totally bad. There's great stuff. Like my wife. You all should know my wife. It's a really good part about this world. And motorbikes. I understand some of you don't like motorbikes. They hurt me, and I still like them. But in the movie, do you think that if Morpheus had put those two pills in front of Neo, offering, do you want to see the real world, or do you just want to go on living the lie? What if Neo was married? What if he had kids? 
What if he was the CEO and founder of that company he worked for instead of the cubicle dweller? Would he, would he have taken the red pill? Hmm? You guys, in all seriousness and sobriety, if you knew Christianity costs you everything, would you do it? Because that's what Jesus is telling us tonight. It costs all you got. Still want it? If we were seven, seven years old in Sunday school, we'd say, yeah. But dude, we got some stuff that we like, right? I like my wife. I've probably said that a couple times tonight. And my kids are hilarious. The darndest things, as they say. It's just fun to follow Finn around and see what he says. And my family here. You guys enrich my life. My life is colorful because of you guys. And I'm being told by Jesus that you're the cost for me. Not... Jeez, uh, man, God. I mean, I mean, think about all these people hearing God, these large crowds, you know, like, oh, gosh, the Messiah is here. That's so great. We've been waiting forever for you to get here. A couple things happened while we were waiting. I got married. <laughs> In Kathy's sermon a couple, a couple of weeks ago, like the, the excuses were, I got a field. That's, I don't know. I, I don't understand the significance of fields. <laughs> But whatever. Field. I got a field. I got a wife. I got, I got oxen. I want to try them out. People had excuses to like, uh, well, I'll come later to the banquet. I'll party later. Okay, Jesus. Stuff happens. I mean, people, Jesus comes into our life and he says, yeah, you want to do this? And you're like, yeah, can you just come along with me? You know, while I was waiting for you, I got married or I had kids or... I'm the last drummer in Nashville and there's some good stuff happening, right? Can you just kind of be an add-on? Jesus is saying, no. It's going to cost you that stuff. You're going to have to hate that stuff, relatively speaking. Love me. Guys, I've been having an interesting week. You know, my insurance is going to come through. I get to go bike shopping. How cool is that? <laughs> Sweet stuff. I've had the funny things going on this week. It's like, I've got some good things going on here. I almost, quote unquote, went home to Jesus, but I got to stay and things are good. And then I keep reading this passage over and over and over again. Hate that stuff. Love me. Uh, okay. It's been rough, guys. Like, I've, I've been trying to answer this question. I've been trying to say, 
Yeah, God. Okay, totally. You are the best. I do love you. I like you all over the place. You do crazy stuff. And you lead me to crazy stuff, and my life's the better for it. But I feel like I got a good grip on the, the this life. But I got there. I did get to say that, yeah, God, I do love you more than anything. It feels a little lonely. It feels a little bleak here. I'm leaning away from my family and leaning towards you. I will do that. This leaning thing was kind of a revelation. Is is a revelation that happened about 12 years ago, actually. A man named Don Everts gave a series of talks. My wife and Sam were there. Holy crap. God kicked our asses for like three days straight. I have the copies of these talks if you guys want to hear them because they're sweet. But this concept of leaning is interesting. Okay, so I'm going to use motorbike stuff because that's just how I think. Sorry. So when you're cornering on a motorbike, super fun. You have to lean over a ton, right? If you just go around a turn just straight up, you will fall over to the outside of the curve. Physics. <laughs> and you'll roll. <laughs> the bike will be on top of you. Then you'll be on top of the bike. And then the bike will be on top of you. And then you'll be on top of the bike again. But you'll be bleeding at this point, so you'll just fall over. <laughs> that's called a high side. When, you, when you're in a turn and you flip outwards, that's called a high side. I've never done that, actually. I think it, I've heard it hurts more. I always low side. But when you're doing a corner, you have to lean in. You have to lean into the corner, which is actually scarier. It doesn't feel completely right. I'll go up to the canyons, you know, hang out and, you know, thrash up the turns. And there's always some guys that just are idiots when it comes to this. And it's well. Generality, sorry, but like cruisers are just are bad at this. Not all of them. You're good. I'm sure you're good. But <laughs> they lean out. They actually lean their bike over more and they lean away from the turn, which feels natural, which feels like the way you should do it, but that's how you die. That's how you high side. Your tires lose traction because you're actually leaning your bike over more, getting out of the the patch, your your friction patch on your tires. So if you don't want to die and you want to live and actually feel really cool, you lean inside the turn. You lean towards it. And that's how Jesus is. You lean towards him when it's awkward and weird to do it. You lean away from the stuff. You lean away from your job. You lean away from your family. You lean away from your church community. And you lean towards Jesus. And I decided I got to that point this week. Jesus is like, yeah, I'm leaning towards you. You are what my eyes are on, and I will lean towards you. And I felt so lonely at first. 
But then I looked sideways as I was leaning, and I wasn't the only one leaning. Jesse was leaning with me. My wife's name is Jesse, in case that gets weird. Jesse was leaning with me. A lot of you guys are leaning with me. Guys, it feels scary at first. But lean towards Jesus, and you'll see you're not the only one. I will be leaning with you. At this church, in this community, I will be leaning with you. You will not be leaning by yourself. Okay? You guys, it's, it's not as lonely as it feels at first. It's actually really good. And I can bring my kids with me. I can show them how to lean. Pocket, try this. Viva, try this. Dude, speaking of weird crap that Finn says, it was, it was actually last week, Finn comes charging down the stairs. <laughs> Finn told me, Papa, Kai, our dog, Kai was playing and he was, he was getting a little rough and he's starting to bite. And so me and Kepi told, told him to stop listening to Satan and start listening to Jesus. And, he's, and, he, we, and he did it. He started playing better. My kids taught the dog how to lean towards Jesus. <laughs> you did good, Finn. <laughs> I was like, well, there you go. <laughs> so easy. <laughs> We can bring each other with us. Yes, we lean away from stuff. But it turns out some of that stuff might lean with us. Guys, sometimes this, is, this doesn't go so well. Sometimes scum, well, sometimes we've leaned towards ourselves. Which is weird, because we're a church, right? Guys, sometimes I have led scum to lean towards scum. I'm sorry. Because that sucks. That really sucks. And I'm going to try like hell not to do it anymore. People will come. People, I want people to like scum. You know? This is my family. And I like my family. You better like my family. I want new people to like scum. I want donors to like scum. I want new people to like scum. It's like, oh, you're new here? Oh, you want to get involved? Well, uh, well, we need help. Uh, you know, the evening service needs help, and the morning service needs help, and, you know, come to our shows and come to our potlucks. This is a serious apology. I am sorry, guys. I've led us to ourselves. Guys, we've become a caricature of ourselves. We, we've decided to exaggerate the interesting things about us instead of the interesting things about Jesus. That's why we are here is Jesus. I'm going to stop.
And I'm going to hold Jesus up and not ourselves. As long as I have authority in this community, Jesus is what we're going to point at, not us. For 2,000 years, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, You are not the vision. I am the vision. And every time this passage gets read, he says it again. You're not the vision. I am the vision. Do you know what we are? We're the cost. We don't lead people to ourselves. We learn how to use ourselves. We learn how to spend ourselves to get to Jesus. So often we say, it's like, oh, I wish there was this at Scum, or I wish the building had this, or I need this in my life. I think Scum can provide it. It's not what we're going to do. It's not what we're going to do. I mean, I have potlucks. Potlucks at my house tomorrow night, okay? Every Monday night, come over to my house, and we'll hang out. It's cool. It's fun. So often, I lose sight of why it's there. Is it because of you? Yeah. But it's because of Jesus. I want you guys to be around Jesus. I want to be around the Jesus that is in you. That is why we do it. I need to remember that. We all need to remember that Jesus is why we're here. And not because it's scum. It's not why I became a Christian. Is to be weird. I became a Christian first to make the world better. And Jesus did that best. Jesus makes the world better like nothing else. Like no one else. Like no other philosophy. Love your enemies. That pushes on evil. And that worked. That was good. But I found out that that's not the reason. Jesus himself is just so cool. Just so good. He's the reason we do it. He's the reason I'm a Christian now. Yeah, make the world better. Cool. But he's wonderful. He says weird stuff that makes my life interesting and unpredictable and costly. beautiful guys this is the church that we're going to be and if you guys are here for fun then you can stop I understand some of you guys might be still making the decision about this Jesus thing that's totally cool this is actually a really good place to do that but if you have said that you've made the decision that, yeah, Jesus is the best thing, and you aren't living like that, that Jesus is just a means or, or a patch that you put on your life to make the rest of your life better, you're filler. You're a spiritual toxic waste. You are showing other people how to half-ass it. And we're not going to do that here. Jesus looked around at his large crowd and said, okay, I think some of you don't know what's going on. You can go home. 
Because if you want to follow me, it costs it all. And that's the church that I want to help out. And that's what we're going to shoot at. Spiritual toxic waste, you can go somewhere else. There are churches for that. God, I'm going to pray. And then we can be, then I can be done. God, hear, hear me saying this. This is your church. And we view it as a cost. We will lose this church for you. We will lose our friends for you. We will lose our families for you. That's what you've asked of us. And damn, if I don't want to pay it, man, I want you. I'll pay that stuff if I get you. Show me how to influence people, how to bring more people to you, that you would be pleased and that they would fall in love. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best. Amen.